Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space. Add Buzzsprout and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Barefooting with Sierra. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral land of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Ojibwe, and Nakota Sioux. I also would like to acknowledge that this land is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta and that I am a settler on this land. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I've been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. I'm going to break this podcast up into four parts. Novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I'll give you updates on what I'm working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon. In this episode, I interviewed Melanie Banks, who goes by the proverbial dandelion on TikTok, about barefooting and paganism. Let's get started. First up, novels. In novel news... September 30th was Canada's first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. The Stony Nakoda Nation and town of Cochrane, Alberta held a joint celebration. In the morning, in Cochrane, a social stop featured booths with crafts from Stony Nakoda artisans and novels by Stony Nakoda authors. Later that day, the Stony Nakoda Nation held a ceremony and three-kilometer walk along Highway 1A to remember residential school victims. I was encouraged by the number of people I saw wearing orange, and by the space people are making for residential school survivors to tell their stories. I hope this will continue, and not just on September 30th, but every day. In an update in the Fairfax High School Library book scandal, which I covered in my last episode, both Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison and Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe have been temporarily removed from the library pending review. Two committees made up of staff, students, and parents will review the books to determine if they are appropriate for high school-aged children. The review can take up to 45 days, according to a school district spokeswoman who spoke to the Washington Post. All student reviewers for the books will be over 18 due to the concerns about the subject material. And like I thought, these books are under fire for being LGBTQ books. Adrian Hensel spoke up at a school board meeting to quote, protest the use of Fairfax taxpayers' money in a campaign to normalize the use of homoerotic material with minors, end quote. I think it's important to note that while I was aware of what lesbians were by the time I was seven, I had only heard of and seen lesbians portrayed in a negative context until seeing Alex and Paige in Degrassi when I was 16. I was aware of transgender people by the time I was 16, but had no positive transgender role models in media ever? While growing up, I don't even think I saw a transgender person in a non-documentary TV show or in a fiction book. First time I can recall seeing a trans character at all was in Tokyo Godfathers, which came out in 2003, but I didn't actually watch until I was 20, so 2010. And yes, these books aren't specifically about lesbians and transgender people, it's about 
a guy who's exploring his sexuality and decides he's gay after, you know, trying to date a girl. And uh, genderqueer is about being genderqueer, not specifically transgender. But I think representation is important, not just for LGBTQ kids, but for their cishet peers as well. People need to know that these identities exist and see them just as existing, not just weird, demonized, fetishized tropes. We're here. Let us be in literature. Now on to comics. It's October, which means Inktober, a drawing a day based on a prompt. If Facebook and Instagram ever get their stuff together, I'm posting them on there. If not, uh, well, I guess I'll post them as freebies on my Patreon. Come check me out at patreon.com slash possumpete, and if you'd like to become a supporter, options start at $1 per month. My panel at Central Alberta Fan Fest went well, and it was so fun. Thank you everyone who attended via Zoom. Due to having an autoimmune condition, I'm not attending any live conventions, thanks COVID, so having the option to be a guest through Zoom is great. In comics news, What's the Furthest Place From Here not only brings together the art of Tyler Boss and the writing of Matthew Rosenberg, who has worked on high-profile Marvel titles Astonishing X-Men, The Punisher, and Hawkeye Freefall, but the series is also one of the only comics ever to have its own soundtrack. In addition to the standard print version, a deluxe edition that comes bundled with a vinyl single will be available. You can hear a preview of the soundtrack in the What's the Furthest Place From Here comic book trailer. Issue number one will hit stores on November 10th. The Saturn Award nominees are out, as well as the date and location for the 46th Saturn Awards ceremony. The annual event, presented by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror, will be held at the L.A. Marriott Burbank Hotel. In the Best Comic Book to Motion Picture category, Birds of Prey, Bloodshot, Joker, The New Mutants, and The Old Guard are nominated. I haven't seen all of them yet, but I really enjoyed The Old Guard. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Alright, next up is journalism. In current events, it has finally happened. Someone took advantage of mask requirements and used those ugly blue disposable masks we've all been wearing as a disguise while robbing stores. It was unfortunately inevitable. David Battle of Moreno Valley, California, robbed six Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid stores between July 6th and August 10th, 2020, and attempted to rob two other pharmacies as well. During each incident, Battle wore a disposable medical mask over his mouth and nose, brandished a gun, and demanded the cash out of the register. He was sentenced to nine years in prison. The robberies bring battle to a total of 46 felony convictions. So you don't need to worry about your friendly neighbors turning into bank robbers just because they're wearing masks, which is actually a concern I have heard from people. And hopefully someone can help Mr. Battle change his ways and no longer live a life of crime. The British government is currently in planning stages with contractors to remove the masts from SS Richard Montgomery, which sank and split in two off the Kent coast in 1944, with 1,400 tons of explosives on board. The government monitors the explosives around the clock and are worried that the masts, which poke out above the top of the water, are putting strain on the rest of the ship. So, with those removed, the ordnance should be more stable. The risk of explosion is remote, but if the thousands of cases of TNT and bombs were to explode, it would be the largest single explosion ever witnessed in British history. A contract is expected to be awarded soon, 
and the masks are scheduled to be removed next year. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. I've been dealing with a kidney stone, so my barefoot adventures have basically just been around my own house the last several days. Without further ado, here's my interview with Melanie Banks. Hi, Melanie. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Please tell the listeners a little about yourself, where you're from, and what got you started with going barefoot. My name's Melanie. I'm from the UK. Um, The bit in the middle, which lots of people think that doesn't actually exist, um, the good old Midlands, there's always an argue between the North and South divide and where we all start and stop in the Midlands. Um, and I got into barefooting about, we're coming around about the 10 year mark. And it started off with just a way, actually I used my friend as the token, you can go through winter barefoot before me type person. But it just, it went more along with my lifestyle and it also, it helped ground me because if I'd had a bad night, waking up in the morning and walking out and just feeling that connection with the earth, it just brought me back a lot quicker, um, if that makes sense. I Lots of nightmares. So barefooting. It was a natural progression from the grounding that I found spiritually, never really liking shoes when I was little. And it all just kind of joined up after I realized that I was an adult and I could do whatever the heck I wanted to. Very, very similar uh, kind of experience with me. It's like I'm since 2010. So it's that like 11 years now. And yeah, like I'm an adult. I don't have to wear shoes if I don't want to. So um, it's a good old British thing. It's like, when you bloody come in here and get some bloody shoes on, never allowed out without anything on my feet at all. So, yeah, it was a nice big two fingers up to everybody that had told me that I, I don't like being told what to do anyway. So being told not that I had to wear shoes just meant eventually it was going to mean that I would get my own way and just not wear shoes. I love it. Uh, so I discovered you on TikTok because of your barefoot lifestyle, which, you know, it's something we have in common. And being barefoot seems, you know, it goes beyond more than just that fashion choice and maybe even just the the health benefits, like you've said, the grounding. And it it really kind of, you've developed this wild woman lifestyle and you're a self-described crone. Can you talk a bit about what that means? I don't come from a great family of witches as long as I know of. Um, my grandma was a Christian witch, um, she was Christian Wiccan. I was brought up, I come from a farming and a mining family. So we're very connected to nature, the seasons, everything that just came in hand in hand with that. After searching for many years, trying to literally find my own path of what I felt happy with I found that religion wasn't for me um again goes back to not being like being told what I can and cannot do for a reason why somebody else decided on that so whereas I honor the traditions of being a pagan that go before me through our ancestors Um, I just more adopted, I'd much preferred 
the label, because we all have labels, a wild woman, because that goes into herbalism, it can go into crystals, it can go into being barefoot, it can go into just about embracing who we are naturally. And the crone comes from the fact that I'm menopausal after having a hysterectomy and I'm a grandma now. So technically I've gone from maiden through to mother and now I'm a good old crone. Excellent. So of course, um, part of your, your wild woman kind of lifestyle, you've mentioned the herbalism, you've got this lovely backyard, almost farm out there. You've got this sprawling garden and chickens. Can you tell us about that? Again, coming from a farming family, I had got no idea at all that other people didn't grow their own food. So when I left home, um, moved in, I lived in a social accommodation, which we call council housing over here. So I have a council garden um, and I grow, well, as much food and vegetables in general as I can out there. I use everything that I grow for one reason or another literally everything from the trees to roots whether that be for supporting up the chicken coop because I've got my three girls supporting beans and other plants in the summer uh, making crochet hooks making wands anything and everything even the roots to dye fabrics and yarn Uh, I wish I did have a farm one day I will have a farm I've been saying that since I was little but one day I'll have a farm or a little retreat of my own and where I'm not actually surrounded by houses, which isn't seen a lot on TikTok because I tend to avoid, because I'm looked over, my garden's looked over um, to by many others. So I tend to just potter around in my garden, keeping myself to myself and all the neighbours around here have colourful thoughts. We'll keep it at that. Well, you're a colorful individual. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you you grow pretty much everything that you use. So like what kind of plants and herbs and things do you grow that you use in your magic and witchcraft? Um, all of the herbs. Rosemary is my favorite. Rosemary is, rosemary is my go-to, whereas everybody tends to turn to sage, not just the controversial white sage that a lot of Westerners use, but also the bush sage that grows naturally in Western cultures. But I use rosemary for smudging, even though I don't think traditionally it was called smudging. Um, The only, apart from reading countless of books, is the little bits of information that I got fed from my grandma. So if Wicca would call it something, then my grandma would. So then inadvertently, that's how I was told. But I think going back to Celtic traditions, it's called something else that I can't even remember how to spell, let alone try and pronounce, because the Celtic language is a hard one to get your tongue around. So apart from rosemary, it is everything from apple wood, cherry wood, everything that grows in nature can be used in a nature-based belief system and magic is embracing those natural aspects 
incorporating in with the energy and your intent and basically sending it back out there into the world. So everything has its own different properties and meaning. Wonderful. Um, so I saw your post on TikTok yesterday about uh, Yule just being three months away and you're slightly <laughs> panicking. Um, we also have uh, Halloween or it gets a lot of Wiccans will refer to it as Samhain. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, so, um, I've always, it's sow as in the pig and then in. So sowin. Okay. So, um, but that was just how I was pronounced. Um, taught how to pronounce it okay so what's significant about these days and other events in magical practice Samhain is or Halloween as lots of other people call it it's one of the eight festivals within the Wiccan tradition and it goes back to Celtic beliefs because obviously Wicca's only been around since 1940s ish a lot of Celt and the Celtic mythology and the Celtic aspects of paganism and witchcraft go much deeper than that. Obviously, being British, we tend to butcher a lot. Um, We take things from different everywhere and, yeah, we make it our own and bastardise it, which loses all its meaning. Halloween or so in is when the earth spirit, earth level and the um spirit plane is the word I'm looking for it's when they when they're the closest so it's a time for us to honor our dead not to feel sad but just to be grateful that we had that family and those loving ones that went before us that passed down everything that we know now and as with Yule that's a really easy one it's the shortest day of year it is the winter solstice so it is when the night is a heck of a lot longer than daylight time so a lot of candles are lit a lot of partying and festivities because in the midst of our darkest season things can get a tad depressing so plenty of drinking merriment even though I'm teetotal but plenty of merriment and just family time to gather and have fun um but yeah the panic is because I make a lot of my gifts and I realized yesterday that I only had three months to make all my gifts oh yeah that's <laughs> it's Especially a lot crochet um so there may be some crochet blankets that are given more as summer solstice presents rather than winter solstice presents but they'll get them eventually that's what matters yeah <laughs> uh, so you've you've shown your altar in a few tiktok videos what are the items that are on there and what's their significance i can see it from here my altar is actually made of my grandparents old radiogram and a bit of wood that i rescued from a skip because it was it looked pretty it was nice um and then on there we have everything that resembles the elements So I have the chalice that represents water, candles for the fire. I have, well, you have your crystals and I've got hunker chunks of wood on there for the earth and then feathers for air. I have things that represent 
things that are important to me. So certain animals like the hare. I'm a big fan of the hare. Um, they're strong, solitary animals that like to give up a good fight. Um, what else do I have on there? Lots of crystals. There's the hair, pentagrams for protection. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on there. Oh, and there's my triple moon goddess statue as well, which now is always turned to the crone position. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. How do you feel that going barefoot is intertwined with magic? It's the grounding. It is, there is nothing, I can't explain the feeling that I get when I'm walking barefoot outside. Um, It makes you walk differently and a lot slower than the heel firsters, as we like to call them. You feel more of that connection with every movement that you make. And it helps ground you realize that you're part of something bigger that you may not know all the answers to, but you know, one foot at a time, you feel it. It goes deeper than going from one place to another. I think when you're barefoot, it's you take in the journey, you take that time. It helps you mindfully walk everywhere when you're barefoot Um, because you have to be otherwise goodness knows what we'll end up standing on I get more out of walking places when I'm barefoot than I do if I have to wear shoes and there are some times that I do have to put them on medication sometimes means that I can't focus on what I'm holding let alone where I'm walking or what I'm walking into but it is definitely a more whole feeling of being there in the moment of where you're going what you're standing on yeah I don't know if that sums it up but it to me being barefoot it connects with an older side of me um spiritually I guess yeah I feel a lot of the same things what advice would you give to someone who wants to start going barefoot more Start slowly, start around the house and in your garden. Always take shoes with you no matter where you go. Literally, just take it slowly. Uh, There's no rush. If you want to get your feet to a certain toughness, there is no rushing about doing that. And certainly don't go ahead and get a full pedicure because we need need that dry skin on the bottom of our feet. So very much. I know quite a few people that over the winter, if they're barefoot over the summer, during the winter, they'll have a pedicure and everything else. And it's lovely and their feet are all pampered. And then they go back to barefooting in the spring and then fully regret not having that nice thick layer of skin on the bottom of your feet. I made that mistake one time. (laughs) (laughs) Once is all you need. I've got high arches, so I always, the arches, holly leaves. Holly leaves are the bane of my life when I go out anywhere because they'll always get me in that part of the arch. And then here I am like hopping, trying to get a holly leaf out of my foot with everybody else walking past, 
shaking their head and bloody hippie should put some bloody shoes on and stuff like that even though I tell them the most place I hurt myself is in the house because I'm more relaxed and I'm less aware of what, where I'm going and what I'm walking especially Lego when the kids were smaller yep <laughs> my own yard is where it's always because it's like it's my yard it's it's my safe place no yeah. <laughs> no nature still gets in there and it still gets you going yeah I tend not to go out amongst the chickens barefoot because just chicken poo can be sticky and if you just want to nip up to the top of the garden to get some eggs without running the risk of slipping on stuff and then breaking it just I have we call them the chicken shoes so we put the chicken shoes on and then do those bits and I have to put um, them on when I'm digging in my garden as well because of all the big chunks of the people that lived here before me buried everything from World War II helmets to glass bottles bricks bedposts bicycles they buried everything and I'm still finding you know half shards of glass that are well over three inches long um so yeah stuff goes on my feet when I'm digging the garden shoes are tools so you know use them wisely you need them and if you don't need them which I don't a lot of the time then just don't bother (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, If you could clear up one misconception about magic, witchcraft or crones, what would it be? Oh, Satan. (laughs) Anything and everything to do with Satan. Um, No, we don't believe in Satan. We don't follow the obviously Christian witches may do. But a lot of the time you'll find that no crones wild women witches we don't believe in any more of a christian gods than the hindu gods than the sikh gods muslim gods we don't because we don't believe or follow any you know any of that we don't give it a second thought uh, a lot of people also think that we're against those religions because obviously like all other religions our religion has been persecuted by lots of other different religions but most of us we just don't care we want to be educate those that are willing to listen and embrace those that are on the same path as us and when it comes, if you want to believe in what you want to believe, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, who cares? A lot of the time anyway with energies, it's exactly the same energy. It's just a different name put onto it. Because if you look into the sun and you feel warm and you get that hug, you can say it's a hug from God. You can say it's a hug from the earth. It's a hug from the sun. It's it's exactly the same energy that you're feeling. Just different people have a different name for it. Um, and I think a lot of the time, a lot of people get hung up far too much on the names behind the energies that we all feel. 
Definitely. I think a lot of it is just two sides of the same coin. It's like, oh, well, you call it that, that you call it the Holy Spirit. I call it Gaia's energy. It's who cares? It's like when you get one person, the parents know them as their whole full name and their school friends may know them as one name. Then they've got their nicknames that people from work. And it's exactly like that as far as I'm concerned. So there's still the same person, still the same energy, just known by different names. That is a great metaphor. I love that. <laughs> well, it's been so great talking with you. Thanks again for, for joining me on the show, Melanie. Oh, you're more than welcome. And thank you for having me. And sorry for being a bit of a nervous wreck. And as I said, it's the first time ever doing anything like this or even spoken about myself. I think you but- did great. <laughs> You can follow Melanie on TikTok at the proverbial dandelion. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week with an interview with children's author Gina Galois. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to Sierra the Barefoot Girl at gmail.com. Thank you to Legion X for my intro and outro music. You can find me on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot and on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot. All of my books are available on Amazon, and my Patreon is patreon.com slash possumpete. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.